1: Shake that thing, ladies and gents. Welcome to the Football Ramble Preview Show, sponsored by Betway. A top-of-the-table clash and a West London derby in the Premier League this weekend. It's Friday, 15th of January. I'm Marcus Speller. I'm Luke Moore. And I'm Jim Campbell. (laughs) Welcome, everybody. Lovely to have you with us. Jim, are you shaking that thing? I am, mate, yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, Yeah,
2: I'm in a swivel chair, so I'm swivelling it.
1: Does that still count? Uh, you, I think I would put you down more of as a, as a waver rather than a shaker. I think you wave <laughs> that thing. You know what I mean?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess suppose so. I'm just advertising it, aren't I? We all advertise in our own
1: ways. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> yeah. Lukey Moore, how are you, big guy?
3: Pretty good, thank you very much for asking. Um, I've had to jettison the swivel chair because it's just too noisy. So I'm, on I a, see. I'm a, a common ore garden... Uh, dining table chair and despite being perfectly happy for the last hour in the mm-hmm. room my cat has now decided just as we started the show he wants to get out
1: oh. so I'm going <laughs> to let him out, you guys carry on, we'll back in a sec What a little sod, I would imagine Jim that you didn't need a chair for Arsenal versus Crystal Palace because you were probably on your feet for the majority of the 90 minutes I was actually on my bed mm-hmm. I've got a TV at the end of my bed, it's
2: like the king of lockdown Oh you're
3: talking about the game last night, I'll just go back and sort the cat out again
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> horrendous yeah it was boring is what it was (laughs) boring boring arsenal but i I did say i mean i've been saying for you know since wenger left really that this was likely to happen and we'd have to go backwards and now i'm i'm
3: paying for it gone so far backwards haven't they it's embarrassing
1: Mm. you also said well since wenger's left you've said bring back Wenger. all's forgiven yeah yeah I think
2: I did say that. Do you
1: miss him, Jim? Or was
2: that you saying, "Big Big Back Sven"? Um...
3: <laughs> Marcus, you really sound like Louis Theroux then, <laughs> <laughs> interviewing some weird person on the, some fringes of society. Yeah, but it was Jim, and about Arsenal Wenger. Do you miss him? Do you do you think some in some on some level, Jim, you miss him? Do you think yeah. Louis
1: Theroux will interview the guys from Arsenal Fan TV one day? Like in that kind of that you know, would be amazing because the yeah. thing that's so good
2: about Louis Theroux is he just he effectively gives people enough room to just like yes. tear themselves to pieces, doesn't it? He? So uh-huh. he's very very disarming and very I'd good absolutely at that. love it. And i I don't think that would be that much of a challenge. with him.
3: <laughs> I love it. I'd love him to go up to to Robbie or to DT and just sit there really quietly for like ten seconds. And just go.
1: Mm. Do
3: you think some people think this is a bit weird? Yeah,
1: yeah, that's the kind of yeah. question he asked. <laughs> I think Louis Three would say, "I mean, can you sort of see the club's point of view on this? while <laughs> they distance themselves? They don't want you to use their name."
3: I, I know what he'd say to Robbie is, uh, "Do you think, Robbie, that enough people respect Arsenal Fan TV?"
1: <laughs> you, you, you guys interviewed Gary Neville once How did that go? <laughs> um, yeah, exactly yeah. Well, it, obviously uh, the 90 minutes was uh, very disappointing last night uh, But we've got nothing stores, else on,
3: that's the thing It's still yeah. registering as shit And there's nothing else to do
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, I suppose one of the surprising things though, uh, Jim Was that uh, Grant Jacker and David Luiz Did quite a good job against Wilfried Zaha I, I thought Zaha yeah. might be having a field day Xhaka did fall
2: over in injury time, leading to an attack that came to nothing. So yeah. <laughs> the narrative could very easily be quite different this morning. Xhaka had a good game other than that. He flew into some, like, he executed them really well, but a couple of tackles where if he hadn't executed them quite, so he might have executed the person on the ball. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it very, flew in very, very hard a couple of times, but, you know, he won the ball, so fair enough. But I do, I do worry about that aspect of his game. Nice to see Mikel Arteta win it, winning the ball as well, Jim. Yes, it's funny with Arteta, isn't it? Because have you seen a picture of him in his playing days lately? It's be- mm. like because he doesn't age. No, it just looks like Mikel Arteta now is like turned out for Arsenal. It's, it's bizarre, <laughs> but yeah, he's clearly still got it. He could do a job.
3: I love that tackle. It was like he, he took a little glance at Townsend, and it's like he said to himself, "He's expert. Yeah. I'm getting yeah. There.
2: <laughs> yeah. Nothing else is going on in this game so
3: yeah. I'll give
2: the
1: football ramble something to talk about. Yeah. Townsend's a danger man, got to keep him at bay. Uh and and they did well, the one pleasing thing for Arsenal other than the clean sheet was uh, Party returned. Yeah. And uh, he had a, a f- I mean it was fairly um
2: straightforward um period of the game that he was introduced in, but he, he didn't really put a foot wrong, played very well. Um, so it's, I mean, we've seen so little of him, you almost forget he's there. So it's, it's, it's going to be
1: like a new signing, mm-hmm. um, yeah. as we used to say back in the days of mm-hmm. Big Bang. Well, Arsenal do sort of have a new signing, and I am going to do that really annoying thing where uh, they haven't actually signed a footballer, but they'll talk about a new member of staff, if you like, uh, as a new signing. Although when I say member of staff, director of football operations, uh, they've announced Richard Garlick. Richard mm. Garlic uh, as the as their new director, uh, Jim. Does that leave mm. uh, a good or bad taste in your mouth? <laughs> <laughs> the taste is fantastic. The
3: run-up, was, the run-up was so long, I was just sitting there thinking, he's going somewhere with this, I'll, yeah. I'll just wait and see what develops.
1: Yeah. It was a little penenka.
2: Yeah. <laughs> to answer the question, the, the taste is fantastic, but it does leave my breath horrendous. Yeah, um, so, yeah, no, it needs to be done because Arsenal's boardroom um, troubles are well documented. Ralston Leahy was, uh, was, d- didn't really sort of work out as hoped. And um, Huss Farmy, who was the sort of contract guru, has moved on as well. So um, clearly, who? if you look at uh, – his name was Hus Farmy. Farmy. Uh, I think he was Farmy. Yeah, I think it was okay. F-A-H-M-Y. I think he was American. It's that going back to that thing where Americans can change their names when they're like three years old. <laughs> like um, Tuffy like Shell. One morning you Brad. Yeah, exactly. One morning in – Like you're Showtime
3: um... Chapowski. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. You're, you're Brad Smith,
2: you turn three, and then suddenly you're like, hey, I'm Flimton Perambulator. <laughs>
3: I'm uh, <And> it's <laughs> Roy, just, Roy the Boy you know, Chinchilla. That's it.
2: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So Haas Farmy's is one of those guys but he's got wow. um so there was a a lot of um a lot of space that needed to be filled so
1: hopefully Richard Garlic would align So where we with this Louis Theroux is a new director
3: that. of football at Arsenal is that what i yeah, are saying?
1: I think so. Well Richard Garlic's in there presumably because he's a new director of football operations and 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 Garlic is going to keep those blood sucking agents away from the club. Hopefully. He wants to
3: have a bit of depth. Yeah. <laughs> operation.
1: Indeed. Well, as, as, as much as I regret saying this, chaps, I think we should move away from Arsenal and we should focus now on Liverpool versus Manchester United. It's the big one. It's the top-of-the-table clash. Although um, Jason McAteer, the guy who used to do the Dandruff adverts, um, says that Manchester United are currently in a false position. He thinks, Luke Moore, that silly season is still in full flow. Do you agree with him?
3: Um. I instinctively don't want to agree with Jason McIntyre anything, <laughs> so that will be the kind of um, the background yeah. to this response.
2: Do you worry about what that might do to your IQ points, Luke?
3: <laughs> yeah, well, I think most people would agree they're already crushingly low, so
1: uh, mm.
3: probably haven't got an awful lot of room for from a You've got to
1: consolidate.
3: Yeah, I do actually. Um, no, I, I, I don't, really, I don't really remember the the context of what how he said it. I think he was probably pondering on another game. So. Do you know what? I think he was punting on the FA Cup last weekend, so it might have been something to do with that. But anyway, um, I do kind of understand it, but it's not a great look when you're an ex-Liverpool player, scouser, and you only start talking about false positions in the Premier League table when Man United go top. So Mm -hmm. I do kind of get it because it's a weird season generally, but someone's got to be top. You know, someone's got to win points. It's still still the same, you know, merit system we've been used to over the last hundred and something years. Mm, So uh, give or take. So I think, Realistically, I think we all agree, Jason, that we do need some kind of measure of who's the best team. So I love let's, it. You know, let's stick to it for now. You yeah. know, I mean, what, what else are you going to go with? You know, who's who? You know, who who you know whistles the best? You know, who 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 can eat the most fucking. Chicken Nuggets. You need to do a point system for football games. I think we can all agree No, on
2: I, that. I, I like it. It's Agent McAteer, isn't it? It's putting the pressure on. Like, is this a house of cards? or this collapse under a little bit of pressure? Well, from Jason McAteer? Yeah, I was
1: going to say. Mate, <laughs> you know, he's, what else can he do? I'm an agent, or I'm a double agent. I don't yeah. know. Triple agent? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's what he is. Yeah. I think that someone asked him about Anthony Martial. I said, do you think he's... What do you think of a false nine, uh, 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 Jason? Do you think a false... <laughs> What do you you know? Is that a false position? For, well, I think, I think Man United are in a false position. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's okay. what they're doing. They're false champions.
3: Yeah, I, I just, I just feel like if Liverpool did want to undermine Man United on a, with a with a serious press campaign to pile pressure on them, you know, we've got our best man on that, have we? Jason, he's, Jason <laughs> doesn't actually do anything anymore. He's never even on telly anyway. So I don't yeah. understand. Yeah. It's like, it's like, um, it's piss weak. It's like getting Jamie Redknapp to do it.
1: Hey, come on. <laughs> Jim's been round Jamie Redknapp's house. He had a lovely time. I've been round Jamie Redknapp's
3: house. I, I think Jamie Redknapp's a lovely, lovely fella. But what I'm saying is, he's not a combative guy. Is he? He's not. He's not a no. rookie keen type. Cat, it, doesn't really. it doesn't have
1: to be. It doesn't have to be. Very different yeah. type of player. Very different type of man. Jason McIntyre, I think we like old Macca, don't we? He did. Say, he did say though that it just tells me when the big occasion comes, can Manchester United actually do it? Can they do it, Jim Campbell? Paul well, Pogba said midweek that this will be a beautiful game for everybody. Do you think it's going to be a beautiful game?
2: I, I, I'm actually really looking forward to it because I, I said a little while ago on the show that the kind of the big event fixtures have felt less like events this season, and mm. a lot of that is due to the strangeness of it, and a lot of it due to the the you know the the so-called big six, uh, top six rather, kind of being really kind of flaky. And this one, though, genuine top of the table clash between champions Liverpool and kind of like you know upstarts man united is a great um, kind of flip of 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 the uh, the kind of dynamic we've seen in this fixture so much down the years and it's it i'm actually really looking forward to it and it's it could have a a real kind of impact on on how the season pans out because you know there's a lot of horrible stuff happening in the world at the moment it's really boring but there's a, a couple of good things going on as well which is obviously the vaccine is here but also i think we've got a title race I think we've got an actually unpredictable title race kind of starting to form because yeah, nobody okay. seems to be able to click into gear and pull away. And I mean, people, are, people like Jason McIntyre are, are pointing at Man United and saying perhaps, you know, this is just a bit of an anomaly of this oddly tight season, but you've got to give them credit. I mean, they're unbeaten in 15 away games. The last time they lost um, an, an away fixture in the league was, was, was at Anfield in January last year. And that's mm. pretty amazing. You've got to give them and Oli Gunnar Solskjaer credit for that. He has, by kind of sticking in there and being backed, he has got Man United feeling together. And, you know, Fernandes coming in was obviously a huge thing. And Marcus Rashford this week has been talking about how, you know, anything less than a title for them is a failure uh, this season. And, and he's talking up the kind of, um, the understanding that he, Martial and, and, and Fernandes have. And and it's, it's all completely reasonable and fair enough. And, you know, they, they, they might not be the most scintillating Man United team, but as Luke says, they're, they're on top because of, a, of a, a very valid metric. So I am excited about it. I, th- I wonder how Liverpool are going to approach this because oh, this is the last thing they want, isn't it? A resurgent Man United. If they beat them, what
1: does that do to the psychology of the rest of the season, really? Well, it prolongs silly season, Jim. But um, well, one thing that Manchester United will be uh, looking forward to perhaps is seeing Dialo uh, in a Manchester United kit. He's yet to make his debut, the 18-year-old from Ivory Coast. Rio Ferdinand has tipped him to be a world beater like Cristiano Ronaldo. And Ferdinand went on to say, I don't want to put the pressure of Ronaldo on him. Well, then don't, Rio. Um, But Mm. no one knew about Ronaldo when we bought him other than people in Portugal. This kid seems similar in that sense. It's like, oh, well, there goes the secrecy of that weapon. Yeah. Also, similarly, similar in that no one had really heard of him. Can't
2: you apply that to sort of any young player? (laughs) Even though Ronaldo came with loads of fanfare. It's like, you know, Jason McAteer here has clearly got his Liverpool hat on trying to pile a bit of pressure on Man United. As, As Rio Ferdinand done that, but with his lead hat on, has he forgotten <laughs> who he's supposed to be pulling for here?
1: Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, I, I, I don't know, is the, is the honest answer, but it's an interesting one. I mean, look, he's he looks like a quality young player. We haven't seen much of him, of course. I think he played a handful of games for... Um, uh, at, at, at Atlanta, but uh, I, I tell you what, though, with with, with Manchester United having a, a player like that, you know, at the moment, what I think it's quite handy because they have a lot of players in um, those kind of positions. I don't think that there will be much pressure on him unless Rio Ferdinand keeps comparing him to Cristiano Ronaldo. Because if he doesn't play well, well, you take him out and put someone else in. So I think he will get a chance, but I think it's not a bad time for him uh, to be joining the club. But Ed Woodward Mm. recently attributed Manchester United's form, Luke, to their top-class recruits. Go on, Woodward. Give yourself a bit of credit, son.
3: Yeah, and at first glance, you think, oh, yeah... Old Ed is um is just picking himself up, but I mean I think it's probably fair to say that he's had a fair amount of criticism <laughs> in recent years. So yeah. perhaps when things go well, yeah, yeah if we're going to yeah. blame him for everything that's gone wrong. Perhaps we should at least give him some credit if some of the signings start to go to go well. I, I you know, something something that Jim hasn't mentioned there, and, and something that maybe is worthy of, of a quick mensch is that um, Man United defensively haven't been that good. So I mean they've got the mm. worst. Defense in the top half of the Premier League. Now I know Vish, our pal and Man United expert, would say that um, you know they need perhaps more um, covering in the center of midfield in front of their defenders and all that kind of stuff. You know they're in a position now, Man United. What Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has done is he's moved them into a position where realistically we're half, you know, almost halfway through the season, they're top of the league. They're Man United. Don't never forget they're Man United, right? So if it's, the transfer window open. If they could go in and find a really top quality center back um it might make all the difference to them you know it, mm-hmm. I, I, I just feel like seeing football over enough seasons to know that it's pretty rare for a team with a really poor defense like i say worst defense in the top half is pretty rare for a poor defensive team to win the premier league and that could be what undermines them you know come come may so that that's the kind of dimension of it i wanted to add that we hadn't talked about already mm-hmm. um but the I think it will probably this game at the weekend will probably be decided. It'll be a cagey affair. Probably be decided by a solitary Danny Murphy penalty.
1: Quite, quite Possibly <laughs> or a lovely little lob. Um, Mark Clattenburg, he's been mentioned uh, once or twice recently on the ramble. He's been piping up about Jurgen Klopp. For me? No, well, don't worry, pal. We're going uh, to for we're him. Gonna, yeah, <laughs> we're going to satisfy you both at the same time. Ooh, uh, um, <laughs> awful. awful!
3: Thought. <laughs> I'd rather watch Arsenal Palace than that.
1: It, it, it will involve Clattenburg doing that little lizard-tongue oh, thing that he did in the Champions Marcus League finals. Marcus
3: Speller, yeah,
2: what?
1: where the it. hell has this come from? Do you not remember <laughs> what he did in Milan when he was Champions I remember, League? I remember what he him. did in Milan, Marcus, yeah. but
2: I don't know why you're speculating about Mark Klattenberg threesomes.
3: Yeah.
1: What? I don't. <laughs> Jim Campbell. I just want to <laughs> quote Clattenburg. Luke said he hasn't been on the show enough for his liking. Actually, you're going on about three You've Jim Campbell. You walked into, Bar- <laughs> yeah. <walked> into Bar- <laughs> the Trap
3: there, Jim. You shouldn't have done
1: that. I have. The <laughs> smut alarm has been sounded, and it's yeah, because of Jim Campbell. Anyway, back to Clattenburg, um, <laughs> who said uh, about Jurgen Klopp, he does not like losing. He never has. Well, fair. He gets yeah. prickly, mm, but he is wrong to suggest there is an aura around Man United that seems to give, that, that sees them given favourable decisions. There used to be when Fergie was there. Um, But that has been eased massively since he left. Outrageous. How about that? Well, Mark Clatterbrook used to referee games when
3: Man United had Alex Ferguson. So it's not a great look, is it?
1: No, it isn't. And also, it's something that we all knew anyway because we saw it, Jim. Indeed. (laughs) Yeah, we know
2: we saw it. But it is a startling admission, isn't it? Um, Yeah. And very unprofessional. And obviously, there's not really anything you can do about it now. But you feel like, I don't know, Man United get docked penalties now to make up for it. I don't, I don't know what you do, but it's really frustrating because as as a fan watching this happen in in favour of Man United, as, as I mean, it's easy to forget how much people hated them, isn't it? When they were really, really dominant. And part of the reason that people hated them so much was stuff like Fergie time and stuff like thinking, mm-hmm. it seeming like they were getting soft penalties and things like that. And to hear that that actually was the case is so annoying retrospectively.
1: Yeah, yeah don't worry. Because they were getting action, special though. treatment. Yeah, but Clattenburg took action, saying, "I am the only referee to give three penalties to the opposition at Old Trafford, and that was all for Liverpool in 2014." But David Moyes was manager. I'm not sure that would have happened when Fergie was there. He's in, yeah. he's just admitting, "Oh Brilliant. yeah, Fergie was there. I might not have done that." I mean, well done, Clats. You did a bit of your job. Well, <laughs> I, I suppose at least he's honest. You know, a bit of uh, you know honesty there from uh, the referee. But yeah, genuinely, this should be
2: a, a kind of moment to learn from for the, the referees um, department, which is that they need to acknowledge that this is a thing that can happen mm. in big games um, a, a against sort of charismatic managers and, and kind of I almost like put something in place to psychologically guide the referees through it. Perhaps there is something in place for that. I don't know, but it seems like something that needs to be addressed. If Because um, I mean, you know, if if a referee said this during a season where they were an active referee, it, could you imagine the scandal?
3: Oh yeah, that, that's that, and that, this is exactly why you know you don't see or hear from referees when they're when they're playing or sorry when they're refereeing because this is exactly the sort of thing that will come out because some referees have got a real big ego on them as we know, uh, mm. you know, and yes, that is hypocritical of me to say, but they have. Well, they're human uh, and, beings. Yeah, exactly, and so this is why when people wish for. Referees to come out and explain their decisions. You kind of open the floodgates if you're not careful, where they can start saying things, maybe not even meaning to, where they get themselves in, in a bit of trouble. But there is always there's always been a uh, understanding, I believe, at least you know, at least in the last few years that referees are biased in certain ways subconsciously, and it's not really very easy to do anything about that, right? So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Unless you want a referee by computer, which obviously it seems the authorities might actually want to do (laughs) based on what we've seen so far, there's not really an awful lot you can do about it. I think it particularly comes to the fore in big games for home teams and big stadiums just because of the way, I suppose, brains are wired, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I don't, I don't even, so it might well be if we're being ultra fair to Mark Lattenberg, which I've got absolutely no motivation to do, but just for the purpose of the conversation, <laughs> it may well be that he's, he's looked back at some of the performances and said, oh, actually, do you know what? In retrospect, it appears that was happening. But it doesn't necessarily mean he felt that at the time,
1: right? Sure. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with you. And I think it's good that he's admitted that. And I think that those kind of admissions and that kind of sort of knowledge and... Uh, and sort of wisdom looking back on it, it with hindsight actually helps referees now. I think, was it Michael Oliver? Uh, I forget which referee now was given an interview recently. And he was talking about some of the, the things. And again, they are human beings, you know. And, and also, I, th- I think think I I don't think the problem is necessarily uh, a referee as a human being intimidated by a powerful person in football. It's the authorities dealing with someone like Ferguson, at the, you know, putting pressure on referees. Because if you're a ref and you think, oh, if I do this, then... I suddenly, I'm going to be highlighted by a manager, and it's all going to be put upon me. Um, hmm. That's where the FA or whoever need to step in and say no, you you can't yeah. say which. Which of course they do. Which of course they do. Um, but interestingly, Marcus Rashford talking about penalties and whatnot has come out and said that Jose Mourinho taught him how to be more savvy in winning penalties. Backf-
3: it's backfired now, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I was going to yeah. say
3: for, for old Mourinho. I, yeah, I can, I can I can totally understand that. I, 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 I um. On on the referees and and you know maybe the penalties type of thing as well. I can remember the best ever um, Alex Ferguson spat with a referee. Was do you remember when he just blatantly accused um, Alan Wiley of not being fit enough to be a referee? Yeah. <laughs> and he, he, he came out. He came out to the, after a game once, and, and I think he I think he got fined for it. But he said something like <laughs> Alan Wiley was just booking players to have a rest there. Yeah. It was literally. <laughs> Booking players so can take a rest. Yeah, that's so and bad. Because Alan Wiley was the referee when Robert Perez dived over Ari and the zoo, I think it was, to to give to protect mm. Arsenal's unbeaten run against Portsmouth. That's, I that's my favourite
1: result in the whole thing, that. Genuinely.
3: Uh, yeah, I thought <laughs> you yeah, might be, yeah. Oh, gent-
1: <laughs> gentlemen, let's move on to Chelsea versus Fulham on Saturday afternoon. Um, have you heard the big news coming out of Chelsea Football Club is that their longest serving player uh, currently has been released? It's Lucas Piazon or Piazon, depending on uh, which side of the bed you get up. Uh, yeah, Big Lucas <laughs> is, is, is off. Uh, he arrived at Chelsea from Sao Paulo in 2011, but he played only three times for the club. His last appearance coming eight years ago. Uh, he was unlucky considering two of those appearances came in a 6-0 win over Wolves in the League Cup and an 8-0 win over Aston Villa in the Premier League, which I was at. Uh, actually, so I have seen mm-hmm. him play for Chelsea. I've also seen him play for Fulham. He did okay, actually, a couple of seasons at Fulham, but um, he only had seven loan spells. Uh, what a fairy tale. <laughs> uh, yeah. he's, uh, when's the, yeah.
3: Marcus, when's the testimonial?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, technically, he's eligible
3: for one, right? Because that's 10 years.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, oh, I think he might just be shy. He might. Okay. He might we need to. Yeah. He's, what he, a servant, he, though. Testi- I, I, I
3: demand what if I was him. Listen, you've taken this and you've done this yeah. to me, so I want a testimonial. No one would turn up. Okay. okay. No <laughs> one knows
1: who he is. Well, I mean, there's sort of the calendar years are there. I don't know if it actually would be, but he'd be close. He'd certainly be close. Uh, but he's gone to, to Braga permanently, which is nice. So We can, can set yeah. down roots. Uh, but Chelsea Twitter account also hailed Marco van Hinkle's return to the pitch from a 32-month injury at his loan club PSV. He hasn't played for Chelsea for seven years.
2: Yeah, that's a lot sadder, though. That is that's. Um, I mean, he's missed thirty-two months of of football, mm-hmm. and the, the recovery this time was was from having surgery to to literally rebuild the ligaments yeah. in his knee. And so, I mean, can you imagine the emotional toll that must take? He's twenty-eight yeah. years old now. Mm-hmm. He's missed so much football, and he he still seems like this kind of new, upcoming, coming player because so much of his career has been spent on the sidelines and sort of in yeah. in a lot of other in a lot of other careers and and, and most other sports, really, if you had some equivalent, you know, uh, hurdle that you had to overcome. It just wouldn't be possible in a lot of cases. So, yeah, I, I really, really feel for him and I hope that he can actually just get a run together now.
1: Mm. Luke, Fulham have put a bit of a run together in terms of draws. They love a point, uh, not all three, but, uh, yeah, they, they played well against Spurs, uh, obviously. Do you think they can upset Frankie Lampard?
3: Well, I think they do. I mean, I, I talked about a bit about this yesterday and Andy had told me off, um, so now I feel on safer <laughs> ground. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think they've got. I've got. They've got an opportunity because Chelsea are quite unpredictable, and and Chelsea are in that. Well, Frank Lampard is in that slot that you don't really want to be in, where mm-hmm. every time you lose a game, there are question marks asked about you. So, Fulham have, have turned into quite a sticky team. They just, they just stick in there. I mean, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. against Spurs, when Spurs didn't take the chances they had in the first half, as I mentioned yesterday, Fulham were able to stick around. And and I think you know, even if you go back to the the Newcastle game. Where you know before, just before Christmas, which sounds like a bit of a, a weird game to mention because Newcastle aren't very mm-hmm. good, but Fulham had a man sent off in that game, and they still yeah. stuck at it and still got a point. So mm. they need to start turning those points into wins for sure because they play Man United after um yeah after they played Chelsea, and we've already talked about how good Man United are away from home. So look, I, I think they've definitely got a chance for sure because as I've said to you guys before, like I mean, I, I think I'm probably the only person that said this because no one else will. Admit it, outside of, of the Ramble. No one knows what's happening this season. They're just pretending they do. So it's impossible to predict what's going to happen. So, of course, they can they can do something. You, you, none of us would be, if we we're honest, would be surprised if we flipped the TV on and saw that Fulham had won this game 3-1. You wouldn't be surprised.
1: No. Because,
3: because, because there's no, there's nothing surprising about this season now.
1: Well, sure. yeah, Chelsea could win 3-0 or Fulham could. More likely mm. Chelsea. But I don't know, with uh, Alphonse Areola in goal, very difficult to get past He's made some fantastic saves against him. He's he's Mm -hmm. great. right, gentlemen, um, before we go to a break, little uh, update, uh, or a little plug, rather, for On the Continent. A brand new episode of On the Continent is available right now over at Football Ramble Presents. Don and Andy were joined by Nicky Bandini to assess Atletico's title credentials and Bayern's Shock Cup defeat midweek. And, of course, Neymar and Alvaro's sensational trash talk. It is well worth listening for that. Just head over to Football Ramble Presents and find the most recent On the continent everything you need to know about european football is right there right let's have a break
0: hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank
5: Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. This week on Stakhanov... Throughout January, Clash of the Titles are letting you pick the films being battled out on air. Already binged your way through Netflix during lockdown, listeners Alex, Vicky, and Chris rediscover and tear apart old and new favourites alike, week in,
2: week out. I like that here, though, that Michael Bay starts as he means to go on. I made a list of sort of Bayisms from this sequence uh, low angles, lens flare, dry ice, washed out colours, military hardware, men marching, orchestral score, guitar riffs.
4: <laughs> <laughs> or
5: if you're looking for some much needed escapism, can I catch up with the Abroad in Japan podcast? Chris was recently joined by Joy, the Anime Man to discuss mastering conversational Japanese.
1: That's a
4: really interesting topic, back-channeling, which is where you kind of go, Oh, hmm, uh, hmm, oh, hmm, hmm, hmm. In Japanese, if you don't do the hmm, hmm every now and then, then people just think you're not listening or you're ignoring them. All that and a whole lot more. At Stokanos. Stokanos.
1: Stokanos. <laughs> De Bruyne. The hiya. the Arby. Duh, welcome back to the Football Ramble Preview <laughs> Show sponsored by Betway, everybody. It's time for emails. <laughs>
3: Yes, and Dave Nutt has been in touch. The extraordinarily brilliantly named Dave Nutt because (laughs) Pete's play-by-mail manager game chat is rumbling on. Um, After listening to Pete talk about his play-by-mail experiences, says Dave, it took me back to my short-lived playing days myself. Mine did involve real-name players, and I was manager of Ajax. Now, do you think it's been established and explained properly you guys exactly what play by mail is? Like do we need I, to give people I, a reminder? I, I think because we I do. Think, yeah, go for it. it. Okay, so back before <laughs> this is going to make me sound like the oldest man in the world. Back before the internet, <laughs> you could play a kind of fantasy football championship manager style game by mail. So you would do everything analog, anything everything manually. So you would follow up and make signings on the phone you would send your teams off, you would sign players, it'd all be done essentially manually. So it meant you had to correspond and interact with people by letter, by phone, et cetera, et cetera. And you'd get all the information through the post and do your transfers and stuff on the phone. As far as I remember it, now I've already said yesterday, I wasn't actually allowed to play because my parents wouldn't let me. So if anyone wants to send in a much better pricey of it than that, then please do so. But that's kind of how it worked. so I'll, I'll let Dave pick up the story. He said, the version I played, you also had the phone numbers of the other managers so you could arrange transfers. I'd agreed over the blower to sell Mark Overmaster to Lazio for 15 million big ones, which is a massive fee back in the day, right? So I filled in my little slip of paper detailing the transfer, signed it and popped it in the post along with my team for the week. That slip is then sent to the Lazio manager to countersign and send uh, send in. Cut to two weeks later... I've got no Mark Mars because the transfer's gone through, but my bank balance isn't as healthy as I'm expecting. The little scamp had put a decimal place in between the one and the five. Ooh. Right. This resulted in my dad picking up the phone and hurling abuse at some squeaky-voiced Scottish child, which at the time I thought was undoubtedly the right thing to do. Looking back, it probably wasn't ideal behaviour, but if you're out there, Scottish Lazio manager, you still owe me 13.5 million quid. And listen, that's probably going to be in the early 90s, so inflation's going to put that fee through the roof now.
1: That's yeah. excellent.
2: I mean, it'd be great if we can try and track down this Scottish kid um, see, see what his side of the story is um, but it looks forward. like a very successful fraud effectively
3: <laughs> love to know how Mark Overmore's got on for the rest of the season yeah. absolutely <laughs> chilling <laughs> wouldn't
2: it gutted I mean if, if he was at Ajax he was probably probably killing it at yeah, the time think so. Oh. Yeah. yeah so uh, Matt has been in touch um, I'm, and Matt says on the subject of Bovril this is oh, something yeah. I'm not sure whether I should admit to but as long as I can remember my family has had Bovril on toast Not diluted, Bovril. Pure, unadulterated beef extract (laughs) on toast. On top of butter, of course, we're not heathens. I don't know anyone else who does this, and the more I think about it, the weirder it is. It wasn't until I started going to football did I realise that Bovril was meant to be drunk, not put on toast. All in all, pretty bizarre. Not sure whether I should remain anonymous with this email, but here we are. So we've made you sort of half anonymous, Matt, by redacting
3: your
1: surname there. And that was from just... Matt Gonzalez. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. can, I, can, I, can I just say, um, I don't think it is that bizarre. And I'm, I was always under the impression, yeah. that I'm not really a big fan of it anyway, but I was always under the impression that Bovril could be spread on toast just like Vegemite or Marmite. I thought, yeah, that was how it's, right. I thought that's part of it.
2: I don't really understand it, to be honest. I think, again, we should probably do a little bit of an explainer to anyone that's from outside the UK or a place where we'll they don't do a have Twitter it. Poll, Bovril, yeah, yeah. Bovril is a sort of beef tea. And yes, it is what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Why does it even exist?
3: Back in the day, big Darren Moore sent about for Portsmouth. At oh, Fratton yeah. Park, everyone used to call him Bovril because once you got the ball at his feet, you needed to watch your Bovril.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> the stand. That's great, that. <laughs> right. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, when you, you compare it to Marmite, which is, it's almost like liquidised Marmite, in a sense, it's, you know, it's, the same, it's the same family, I'm sure. Then yeah, I don't, I don't think that's that shocking, Matt, to be honest with you. Yeah, but
3: don't you hide it like under a bushel, Matt.
1: Exactly, exactly. Well, thank you very much for your emails there, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, the email address is show at footballramble.com. For some reason, some people are struggling with this. Show (laughs) at footballramble.com. You've had plenty of messaging and songs about this. Um, So there we are, show at (laughs) footballramble.com. Right, uh, gentlemen, this Saturday night, it's Leicester versus Southampton. I believe that once finished 9-0 to Leicester. Tick, uh, But Leicester are uh, unbeaten in seven uh, in the league since uh, uh, they lost to, uh, to Old Fulham, uh, of course. Uh, but last month, uh, Brendan Rogers uh, he attributed their success to a hotel summit he held with the team at the end of last season after they lost against Manchester United and didn't quite clinch that top four place that they, they wanted to get. He took the squad to the Grove Hotel. For for some team building and address the elephant in the room, which was failing to qualify for the Champions League, and through feedback from some of the players, which was done on what Rogers called a workshop basis. Luke, what do you think they got up to doing doing their I mean, Brendan the, Rogers's workshop?
3: The mind boggles. <laughs> um, I. The thing is. I- do you know what? It's easy to have a little pop at old Brendan, who's clearly a good manager, and, mm. and it was it, it had a lot more weight and a lot more fun when he wasn't as good as he thought he was. But now he is actually pretty good, yeah, and it's yeah. clear to everyone that he's pretty good. So his methods um, clearly are, are working. And to me, I hope this doesn't sound as unfair to Brendan, but he seems like, like really like clever enough for the players to kind of respect him and kind of follow him and, and, and want to try his ideas, but not so professorial that he kind of isolates people, normal people. So mm. he's in that little sweet spot from what I can make out. And yeah. I would bloody love to do a workshop with the with Leicester first, because mm. there's just so many characters in there. I'd, 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 I'd quite like to be involved.
1: I would. If I was a professional footballer nowadays and I had a bit of ambition, Rogers would be one of those managers that I, you know, one would want to work for, or with rather. And Who I others?
3: Think... Would you, which others? List the others.
1: Klopp. Um, yeah. depending on how I was feeling about myself, Mourinho. Uh, not Pep, though. About the bald fraud. Oh, you know, nah. Pep's got...
3: Uh, it, it depends, Marcus, you wouldn't, you wouldn't react well to Pep, I don't think. Do you not think? Nah, I think you're much more a Klopp, Rogers guy. I completely agree when you said that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, And uh, Solskjaer, just for the lols, you know?
4: Yeah. to about the old times. Times. Yeah.
1: <laughs> You both love the 90s. Yeah, oh... <laughs> You would have a brilliant uh, time. Yeah, I think Solskjaer's is the one on, the, on that basis. Yeah. Uh, remember Brit Pop? Oh, remember Britpop Olay? You went in a wonderwall. Wait, <laughs> and top of the league, Jim. Let's be forget, Jim,
3: Marcus, and Ole in the in the United in the can't team passionately defending be here now.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, you just got to give it a couple of listens. <laughs>
4: It no, takes it's not a couple of
2: long. days. Shut up! <laughs> you don't get what they're doing. They couldn't just do the same thing over and over again, could they? But they did. But, uh, just, shut up!
1: <laughs> All right, Jim, you're going a bit too far. Okay. Yeah, that's enough, Jim. Um, <laughs> <laughs> defend their honour. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, where were we? Um, oh yeah, in a hotel with Brendan Rogers. Yeah, sounds great to me. Mm. Uh, yeah. was, oh, actually, to be fair, I think Rogers, And this is the kind of thing I would expect. Uh, I forget who it was. It might have been Philippe or Claire He said that he went to, when Rogers was at Swansea, went to do like an interview uh, with him, spend a bit of time with him. And he said that, you know, at that time, Rogers was kind of trying to get, not se- well, maybe there's an element of self-promotion, but there's, he, he trying to build that kind of aura or that sort of um, reputation, uh, mm. uh, uh, you know, about yeah. himself, which is, which is understandable. Everybody, you know, any a lot of people do that in, in, in various uh, walks of life. But he said, you couldn't, you know, to a, to a man or woman, everyone loved him at that club. Now, people of Swansea may think differently, but that's what Philippe found. They they all were, you know, really bought into what he was doing. They all really spoke so highly of him and really liked him and respected him. And, and I think that kind of comes across, doesn't it, with a lot of the players, the way they respond to him sometimes, the way they react and, and whatnot. So he's doing something right. You know, as I say, we could sort of take the piss mm. and, and whatnot. And we win. No, I
3: completely agree with that. Uh, but
1: but uh, I'm yeah. sure a lot of teams do this kind of thing, you know, but I think he's probably, he taps into that and perhaps more emotion emotional yeah. side uh, of, of players, which is, it's always been important, but perhaps yeah. more than ever, Jim.
2: But absolutely. It, it's a strange thing to point to as well, isn't it? When you look, they're having a really good season and you would think, I mean, you know, he's got them on the training ground like three or four times a week, every week. And you would think that would have more to do with the, the success they're having. So it's interesting that he points points to this team building thing but it is clearly a hugely important part of it isn't it because it's a strangely pressured job Leicester because of because of what happened before when they sort of won the league against against all the odds Um, you are you're shooting for the moon really you know it's it's there's a lot of pressure on them to be successful and it's also hard to define what success actually means for them Um, so pushing for the Champions League is you know had that season not happened that would seem so overly hugely ambitious for Leicester, um, and it's about managing that, and it's about sort of keeping them in a, in, a, in a, I suppose in a, in a direction that seems exciting and is forward-looking, and he's doing a fantastic job of that. It's a hard place to go in and and and, and motivate again, isn't it? Because you've got characters like um, uh, would be I'd uh, Ibiza holiday rep Jamie Vardy and, and <laughs> some of the old guard, and you've got the, the newer <laughs> players that you've got to put together as well. So I, I snuck that in. I, can we talk about that? Did you see that? Go on. Yeah.
1: No, that's a fair snuck.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Because Jamie Vardy, it's been revealed this week that Jamie Vardy, while he was at Leicester in his first season at Leicester after he signed for Fleetwood, was considering quitting football because he had an offer to go and be an Ibiza holiday rep. And I think that might be an indicator of the the rip in the fabric of reality that has led to the the world that we find ourselves in. (laughs) I think that's a little window into what the world should be. (laughs) And well, that think, Jamie Vardy it... might be responsible for how mad everything is.
3: I think we we clearly came to the conclusion with, well, Jamie came to the conclusion that um, he was at a crossroads and um, he could either knuckle down and carry on playing for Leicester and go on and have a good career, or he could be an Ibiza club rep. And eventually after a lot of soul <laughs> searching, he decided to do both. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> and he'll go full time at it when he's quit football. So, oh, yeah. you know, it's a passion, you know? Football's just, exactly.
3: Yeah, a passion. You've got to follow your passion, right? He'd do it for free.
1: He'd play for Leicester. Yeah, but I think <laughs> I because he's Jamie Vardy, I think that he wouldn't be a... I don't think he actually would be a rep in somewhere like Ibiza where all the kids are drinking. I mean, he would do that. But I think he would also, because he's Jamie Vardy, the company would foolishly think it would be a good idea to send him somewhere as a rep uh, or, you know, or, or some sort of role, similar role in quite a posh resort. And so then you'll get like like ex-footballers and stuff turning up because that's where they'll holiday and Vardy will be there going Hey, remember when I nutmegged you I remember when I stuck three you." and they'll get really annoyed and be like oh no why have we we shouldn't have done yes. this we'll get, get him back on the streets of you know yeah. San Antonio whatever the place yeah. is in Ibiza, yeah. where everyone goes on the pitch. I
2: imagine it smashing yeah. everyone at
1: ping pong and cupping his ear to them
3: <laughs> yeah. That's what I did in Menorca, to be fair, apart from I couldn't beat Marcus. Oh, no, you did. Yeah. But you
1: that was a good duel, that, actually, we had. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very, very good indeed. Oh. You put
3: that as a patron benefit. Play against me and t- Marcus at ping pong.
1: <laughs> <laughs> mm. Doubles. Um, yeah. So, there we are. So, yeah, looking forward to that one. Leicester versus Southampton. Uh, yeah. uh, wonder what Can I just Hootons say,
3: the chat was so diverse on that preview game now I actually forgot who Leicester were playing so <laughs> I genuinely forgot who they were
1: playing well if if Southampton can win then I'm sure they'll get a good old mention on uh, Monday's show uh, no doubt um, gentlemen a little bit of uh, uh, before we before we sort of go on to, to four to score and, and Luke's game, we <laughs> have to mention uh, some sort of um, uh, financial troubles uh, that have been happening with Lazio. I don't know if you saw this. Lazio uh, have said that their financial department mistakenly listed two payments worth 11 million euros for Pedro Neto to Sporting rather than Sporting Braga. Now, I refrain <laughs> from saying Sporting Lisbon. It's, of course, Sporting Club de Portugal, as a yeah. Spaniard uh, would say it. But uh, they, they, just because they're both called Sporting uh, at the start, mm. they... they, uh, they um, Was they, it the guy who
3: did the play by mouthing thing with, um, with Dave? <laughs> Nutter, <right>? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Could have been. We found him. We found him already in record time.
1: Yeah. Braga did receive the money um, eventually. But one the mind boggles, really. Is Pete Donaldson heading the Lazio financial department? I don't know.
3: (laughs) Yeah, they got it in Bitcoin. It was definitely true.
1: Go behind the bins. It's there. Um, (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that that was quite a glorious one. Right. Anyway, without further ado, it's time for four to score.
3: Yes, it is. It's time for Betway's four to score, which, of course, entry into is absolutely free. Each week, pick the first goal scorer in Betway's four selected matches for your chance to win the weekly £50,000 jackpot. Make sure your selections are submitted before the first game and further T's and C's are I can't remember how we got on uh, uh, last week. I'm I'm never on Monday, so we didn't I never win. Oh, yeah, I thought that might be the case. Yeah, yeah. We,
2: we we got none of them right.
3: <laughs> okay, great. Um, so game one uh, this week is the aforementioned uh, Leicester City versus Southampton. It's on Saturday night, and uh, Marcus, you're up first.
1: Yeah, I'm playing it safe. We've got to go for Vardles.
3: Yeah, Jamie Vardy. Hope he can squeeze that game in before he's off to. Oh no, you can't go anywhere at the moment, can you? So yeah, he will be. Uh, he will be knuckling down. Um, Game two is Sheffield United v Spurs, which is Sunday uh, afternoon. Jim Campbell.
2: I am looking to continue the form from Monday um, by trying to curse Spurs by picking Sun Hyung min
3: Okay, nice tactic. At least you admit it. Um, Just don't (laughs) forget that Spurs not scoring doesn't mean Arsenal will score, mate. Remember that. Well, Um, you know,
2: you take what you can get at this point.
3: True. Uh, Game number three is Liverpool v Man United. The big one. Who better... To do the big game than the big man himself, Andy Brassel, and here's what he had to say. Hello, all. Um, this is very exciting. Getting Liverpool United. Um, I'm super stoked um, about the game. I, I realise it's traditional in this sort of situation when Liverpool are at home to go for Mo Salah, but no, I have a funny little feeling for United. I don't know if Vich is giving me the vibes over that, but I think Edinson Cavani. Is the man for the big occasion, and so I'm going for Edison Cavani to score first. Edison Cavani, a quite mm. controversial pick from mm. the from from the big brass. Yeah, but, um, he is the man who knows knows the uh, knows the game. So I don't know if Edison Cavani will actually start. So it's a big gamble. Speaking of big gambles, fourth <laughs> game of Betway Sports to score is Man City v Palace on Sunday night. It's my game. I've gone for John Stones. Feel free Whoa. to berate me, chaps. You mm. idiot. What's Thanks. the uh, um, what's the thinking there, Luke? <laughs> the thinking is that I don't know, have any... Well, but first of all, I think that Manchester City will beat Crystal Palace. That's point mm. number one. Point mm. number two, I have no idea what players Pep Guardiola is going to pick. Yeah. So I thought John Stones has been getting a run on the team. He scored not that long ago. Mm. Um, and as uh, assistant producer Finn helpfully pointed out, or was it uh, Charlie, that uh, he got a couple of goals for England in the World Cup. So I thought, why not?
1: Yeah, still why, fresh in yeah. the memory. I'd have picked yeah, to Andros Townsend
3: yeah exactly <laughs> uh, so they are our four to score selections Jamie Vardy Sun Heung-min Edinson Cavani and John Stones what I will say is if we get to game four if we, if we're in the hunt still it's down to me and John Stones <laughs> I might be under a bit of pressure um, anyway make sure your selections are submitted before the first game further T's and C's apply you must be over the age of 80 to gamble and do gamble responsibly for more information on that head to begambleraware.org that was Betways four to score this is Luke's game Wise games is quite difficult to explain, but you'll get it as soon as you start hearing it. Yes, indeed, it's time for Luke's game, and Marcus Speller has elevated himself from you know competitive people's champion with the occasional high-profile win to a kind of Ronnie O'Sullivan-type character. Now, <laughs> where he, I mean, last week's performance was extraordinary. Mm. Let's get that absolutely right. He showed flashes of that with Alan Boxich back in the day, <laughs> uh, and now Jim, you've got all the work in the world to do because he is yeah. on—he's like butter. He's on a roll. He's greasy. Right. Um, What do you need, Jim Campbell, to be successful in this game?
2: Uh, You need your head in some sort of um, white good uh, with some fire in your belly.
3: Yeah, fire in the belly, head in the freezer. We're not going to muck around. Everyone knows how it goes. Jim, you are the challenger, so you are are up first. I'm just going to get my pen and paper out, so I'm keeping a note of the scores. You've got it all to do here. But I'm sure certain people who aren't fully paid-up members to Marcus's very expensive official fan club are (laughs) pulling for you. So good luck, Jim. Good luck, Marcus. Marcus, you ready to start? Yeah. Good to go. All right, great. So first player, Jim Campbell, you're up first. He's played for Mm -hmm. five clubs. Don't forget, a quick game is a good game here. He's played for five clubs. He retired in 1999. Oh, okay. It's Steve
1: Bruce. Bruce. Oh, God, as a
2: player, he played for five that clubs. Fun.
1: That's mad. Yeah, bloody hell. <laughs> Presumably, Jim, like me, you've definitely got
2: one. I've definitely, <laughs> certainly got one. Yeah, I think, I think I might have
1: two. Uh, What's your bid, mate? I'm going to go for two. <sighs> Marcus, this is annoying because, because of his managerial career, I'm thinking: mm. did he play or manage them? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll push the boat out. I'll go three. Whoa, Jim! You're not going to go four, surely? Absolutely right. I think with two, there's there's the obvious one, and then I think the second one might be guessable, but I could be totally wrong because I'm okay, going. So you've, on... gone... <laughs> you've gone for three. <laughs> yeah, well, I've gone for three, and two are, are are maybes, which is usually a perilous position that one should be in. In, in uh, Luke's, all right. Yeah. Okay, let's let's name the three. Okay.
3: OK, so one at a time, please, Mark, if you don't mind, um, name your three clubs that Steve Bruce has played for.
1: Manchester United.
3: Obviously correct.
1: Yeah, suddenly the ice is a lot thinner. Um, yeah. Sheffield United.
3: Yeah. Oh, Ended brilliant. his career there before he became manager, yeah.
1: Now, there's two clubs I've got in my mind. I'm pretty sure he managed both. <sighs> I'm going to say... Birmingham
2: City. Yes! Oh, brilliant, Marco! Well
3: played. I was, well, the uh, the other played.
1: ones I would have gone for would have been Sunderland and Norwich. Hull City was the one I wasn't sure. It was Birmingham or Hull I had mulling yeah. over in my mind.
3: Yeah, Hull, Hull was an incorrect answer. So it's yeah, okay. he went for Birmingham. So he started his career at Gillingham, uh, then went to Norwich City before being signed by Man United and then Birmingham and then finally finishing at Sheffield United. Never got an England cap, Steve Bruce, yeah. which is probably the most scandalous thing that I can think of, given how good he was as a player. He also
2: scored 19 goals in a season. He took the Mm -hmm. penalties, but a lot of strikers would be happy with that. It's amazing. I'm surprised he didn't play in the North East. It's really weird. There you go. He was an
3: absolute danger from a set piece. Anyway, let's move on to the next player. Marcus, you're up first this time. He's played for eight clubs in total. He retired Mm -hmm. in 1997, but he did retire very, very early. Hmm. It's Eric Cantona.
1: I knew you were going to say Cantona. Uh, eight clubs. Eight <sighs> clubs. Blimey. I think... I I think... Uh, where's the sweet spot? And it's mm. higher than two. Um, <laughs> well, I'm going to say four.
2: Jim? I'm not going anywhere near that.
3: <laughs> All right, fair enough. So, Marcus, you're up for four clubs that Eric Cantona... Are. The legend has uh-huh. played for. 1966 was a great year for yep. English football. Eric Cantona was born. You've got four clubs to name that Cantona played for, Marcus. One at a time, please. Go ahead.
1: I'm quietly confident about this. Manchester United. Leeds United.
3: They're your obvious ones, straight away.
1: I'm pretty sure I'm, I've got this. Oxair. It's
3: where he started his career.
1: Now, this one's the only... Marseille?
2: Get awesome. in
3: there, oh, correct,
1: <laughs> very good, Marcus.
3: Well, Zero's where he started his career, yeah, alone to Martigues. I don't think you would have got that. Um, played for Marseille, then but not to Bordeaux and Montpellier, oh, Bordeaux, then played for Nîmes and then Leeds United, uh, briefly, all too briefly. If you're a Leeds United fan, I'm sure, and then played <laughs> for Man United. Okay, that's two, Jim. You've got all the work in the world to do now, mate, yep. but it might work in your favor because the random player generator for our third. <laughs> Is
1: Ryan playing. Giggs?
3: <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Uh, has played for six clubs in total. He retired in two thousand four. A legend of the game, uh, whichever way you slice it. Six clubs in total, as I said. David Seaman, Ah, David Big
2: Seaman. Dave. Oh God. Okay.
4: Let me add a little bit of spice <laughs>
2: Space. to yeah. that. We'll certainly, do three. Ah. <sighs> I'm going to do three, yeah.
1: I'm going to play it safe. Marcus? <sighs> yeah, so I've got three as well. But with my form in the first two, I think I'm going to go four. I'm going to have a guess for the fourth.
2: Jim? Uh, no, I want to see if David Seaman can lob Marcus. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right, Marcus, so you've got four. Extraordinary mm. stuff this. Really, really extraordinary stuff. You've gone for four. Mm-hmm. Um, if you get all four, it's a win. Okay, so there's a pressure's yeah. on, but I guess you've got a bit of rigor room, so it depends which way you look at it. So um one at a time, please make four clubs that David Seam has played for.
1: Okay. Queen's Park Rangers. Arsenal. Manchester City.
3: Ended his career there. Yeah, easy now to, this is easy to forget that.
1: Yeah, this is uh, – I think Jim might be – I'm not sure if Jim maybe had QPR or not. I think Jim might be sitting there going, oh, uh, uh, like I really do have very, very little now. So this is a complete guess. Um, I am going to guess uh, Crystal Palace. No. Uh, uh, fell
3: short there, my friend. He um he had Leeds United, Peterborough United, oh, Birmingham Leeds. City, Queens Park Rangers, Arsenal, Man City. So Leeds, Peterborough, and Birmingham were your game as uh, teams there. Did sorry. you know it's, Leeds, Jim.
2: I did know bad. Leeds, and I had forgotten QPR. Yeah, Oh, I was the opposite. So, yeah.
3: <laughs> there we go. All right, so Marcus, you're up first for this one. All right. Uh, this is very tricky on the admin, although I'm not sure it's going to come up. So we might be okay. Uh, Fingers crossed. This guy's played for nine clubs. Um, He retired, you know, about 15 years ago or so. He's Mm -hmm. a legend of the Premier League. Can you, how many of the nine clubs Mm -hmm. has Les Ferdinand played for?
1: Oh, blimey. Big Les.
2: That's a tough one, isn't it? It is. Nine, did you say? He's played for nine,
1: yeah.
3: Nine pro clubs.
1: I am going to say five.
3: That I'd, is a, that's actually a pretty that's a good start. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I. I mean, I could go for six, but I'd be guessing too many of them. So I'm, I might just play the most passive game in history. <laughs>
1: okay. All right. So, uh, do you want me to name five? Yeah. Okay. Five clubs, Les Ferdinand. Um, yeah. Go for it. Queens Park Rangers. Oh. <laughs> Newcastle United. Yep. me uh, some Newcastle, Newcastle Tottenham Hotspur. Yes sir. West Ham United. Besiktas. Marcus. Spen- there it a is. Oh, well done, Marcus. I'm very surprised you got Bashiktas. How did you really remember that? Really good. I remember he had a, he had a his goal scoring record in Turkey was very very good.
3: Yeah, fair enough. Queens Park Rangers, Brentford, Bashiktas, Newcastle United, Spurs, West Ham, Leicester City, Bolton Wanderers, and Reading. Now he did spend some time at Watford, but he didn't play for them. Uh. And he also played for Southall and then Hayes, but they aren't pro clubs. Well, they weren't at the time. So um, it was nine clubs in total. Marcus, there's another win for you. Yeah, you're out, you're out in front. Do you want to just do the last one very quickly? I'd love to. With yeah. the with
1: Ferdinand, those clubs in the sort of the, up north and the Midlands, like the Boltons and the Leicester thing, that was like I couldn't remember if it was Derby County or whatever, so. Yeah, mm. interesting. Yeah. He's played a lot. Of, yeah, a lot of a different clubs. It's, it's some interestingly sometimes it's harder
2: if the play if the player in question hasn't played abroad much. Yeah, Cause it, it you know because it it stands out less in if they have sort of yeah exactly yeah
3: yeah. yeah. All right, so the last player, Jim, you'd have gone first. It was 11 clubs in total. <laughs> uh, it was Robbie Keane.
2: All right. Robbie Keane. All right. So, let me have a think.
3: Let's have a bit of face here, mate.
2: Uh, can do six, definitely, off the top of my head. Can I do more than that?
1: Yeah. Let's call it six. Yeah, it doesn't matter, it? I'll do six, yeah. Marcus. I think I can do eight.
3: Jim, you're not going to bid nine, are you? So should we get Marcus The name is yeah, eight?
1: do it. Yeah. All okay. right, go for
3: it, mate.
1: I might be wrong straight off the bat here, actually. Uh, no, okay, I'll save that one. Wolverhampton Wanderers.
3: Yeah, start his career there. Liverpool. Yeah.
1: Boyhood Dream. Tottenham Hotspur.
3: <laughs> Play for him twice. Two Boyhood Dreams.
1: Celtic. Another boyhood dream. Yep. (laughs) Inter. Boyhood dream. LA Galaxy.
3: Boyhood dream.
1: I'm losing count now. Uh, West Ham United. And did he play for Coventry City?
2: I think he started there.
3: Now he started at go. Wolves but he did play for Coventry, yeah. Absolutely ah, right. There's eight. I think that I think that's about as many as you bid for. That'll do. That's 4-4-1. That's yeah. Um fantastic performance. live now, isn't it? Yet again.
1: Oh no, he didn't. No, no, um, you, you got Yeah. yeah who, who were the other three me. clubs he'd played for? Luke? So
3: Wolves, Coventry, Inter, Leeds United, <gasps> Leeds. Spurs, Liverpool, Celtic, West Ham, LA Galaxy, Aston Villa. Oh yeah. And he ended his career at ATK. I believe that's how they are referenced. They yeah, yeah. are a football club yeah. based in India.
2: Ah. Coventry to Inter has surely only
1: happened that one time.
3: Yeah, same. It's the same <laughs> with Mark Hately. Portsmouth to AC Milan.
1: Yeah, I love that. Hang <laughs> I, I on, hang on. A few players went from... Yeah. Did, like, last, did last Diara Portsmouth to Real Madrid? Yeah,
3: that probably happened as well. Yeah, I suppose we for that mental time, didn't we, where a lot someone in between, weird happened.
1: Uh, Sulaiman Tari, he... he, he yeah, Portsmouth yeah. is the springboard. I don't know whether it's a, a, a one step from Portsmouth to to the great clubs, but it's certainly <laughs> a step. Uh, I don't. You have think to fly anybody... from Southampton
3: Airport, which is a little bit depressing. Yeah,
1: <laughs> indeed. Well, there we are, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for listening to the Football Ramble Preview Show, sponsored by Betway. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Enjoy the football this weekend. We're back on Monday. We'll see you then. Thank you very much, Luke Moore. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jim Campbell. Thank you. That's all for now, listeners. This
4: was a Stakhanov production and part of the ACAST Creative Network. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer.